The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Spartan. And today we're going to cover chapters 50 through 56 of The Dragon Reborn, book three of The Wheel of Time. Uh, this is the final episode for this book, because we're, it's the final chapters for this book. We're finishing it. Previously, Perrin's crew fights a whole bunch of hellhounds. Uh, Matt practices his snappy luck-related one-liners while he breaks into the royal palace and he meets a queen. That's pretty cool. Uh, then he fast travels to Tyr in pursuit of Nynaeve's detective agency. And Nynaeve's, Nynaeve's detective agency meets the local wisdom and hires the thief taker to hunt Black Aja. Poor sucker. It's not going to go well for him. Yep, indeed. Like, I just, I felt bad for that guy. Like, he's, he's you know, going to help him out. And then they're like, oh, hey, you know, Black Aja. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go get killed. Yeah. So chapter 50, The Hammer, the icon of the Wheel of Time, because... The threads of the pattern are branching or something. I thought it was just because he was running out of emblems and this is just like his default. It could be that. I think it is. (laughs) So Team Perrin arrives in Tyr. And I wanted to point out that unlike anybody else, good guy Loyal is calling Fael by her desired name. That's true. He's the only one. The only respectful person in this whole book. That's true. But to be fair, she doesn't call anybody by their desired names. That's true. Including even her. Yeah. They're super snarky. So, so at this point, near, like everyone's showing up in tier, right? I mean, like now that's yeah. Perrin's crew, and who who is in who is in there before? We know that Nynaeve and her Nynaeve detective agency is in tier. It's yeah. just like it's getting to be a little and, bit of a reunion. Matt's in tier, and we have a, a hint that Rand may be around the in the area. But Rand's over in Almuth Plain. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How could he be in tier? <laughs> Indeed. So Team Perrin checks in at an inn because I guess Moraine and Lan have a go to in at every every place they go to. Well, like all the cool people, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. They always stay at the the Driscoll or what's the 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 Marmont, the Chateau Marmont where yeah. all the rock stars stay in, in, in Los Angeles, yeah, <laughs> where they all d- overdose. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Same deal. So this inn is named The Star, and I think this is a miss in terms of inn names. Robert Jordan's slacking off. Yeah, I mean it is the end of the third book. He maybe he's getting a little bit lazy about it, you know. I okay. mean like he he had some really good ones like the, the the jumping jackrabbit. There was something about a... Wasn't there something about a... a... The badger and the otter. I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah. There's something the like that. Yeah. It was easing the badger. No, easing the badger is when you have to poop real bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And then... No, easing badger. Easing the badger is when you've had a big fight with your significant other, and then you're working up to like some makeup sex. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta tickle it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of admitting that you're wrong. It's fine, you know. So Moraine gives us some foreshadowing. She says the pattern can be torn here for some reason. Whatever's going to happen is going to be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm not. Do you think that's? I, I was trying to figure out what she meant by that exactly. Is she does she know something, or is she just saying, like, tears of dangerous place? Like, she knows the yeah. Forsaken's there, and she's really freaked out about it. But as far as we know, like, the Forsaken are fucking everywhere right now, right? Like, we know that they're in Tear. We know they're in Ilian. We know that they're in Camelin. I mean, like, is that is Tear significantly more dangerous than Ilian, where they just came from? Yeah, I gotta say that's one of the problems I've been having because we're supposed to think that the Forsaken are incredibly scary, right? Mm. They make even Moraine freak out. They freak out everybody. But from what we've seen, though, they just kind of, they go and they kind of rule one city and they're kind of assholes and every book, one of them is Mm. killed. So, like, they haven't seemed that frightening to me. Yeah, you've got a point. 
Hmm. It's like the the Wheel of Time power creep, where a few Trollocs in the first book were really scary, and there were several chapters dedicated to just the escape from a few Trollocs, and then... Mm-hmm. In this one, they're killing Myrdral. Like, like Perrin kills a Myrdral in his underwear in the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. What he was doing in my underwear, I'll never know. <laughs> that was a quality joke. That was good. That was a good That's joke. A good joke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, Nanib's detective agency kills like a room full of Myrdral in the when they're when they're half drugged, right? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Matt apparently all Matt needs is his bow staff, and he can kill like an entire unit of guards. Right. He would have protected Emmons Field, and none of the story would have happened if he just had his bow staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, right? Uh, and but you know, Fael and Perrin are starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Really? Yeah, like their little like back and forth stuff. It's just like I wish they just fuck already. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they're they are being very teenagery. Yeah. 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 Come on, guys, just bone it. Just bone it out. It's fine. <laughs> so speaking of downtime. They have some downtime in this inn, because I guess Maureen is going to go out and ask people things in her way. Yeah. So Perrin visits the blacksmith for some symbolism. Aww. Yeah. Because this inn has a blacksmith next door. And this is, uh, it's pretty sweet. I, I, I like this section, but I have to I have to tell you, like, reading this section, um, he could have made up, like, 50% of these words that I had no idea what he's talking about. He's like, okay. oh, there's the hardy, and then there's, like, the the iron beak, and then there's, like, all this shit. I was wondering about that. Like, did Robert Jordan have to go research blacksmithing, or was he already a blacksmithier? I bet he did. You know, they didn't have the internet back then, so we couldn't just Control-C, Control-V on Wikipedia mm. on the blacksmithing page, yeah. which is yeah, what modern authors do. Yeah. yeah. So he probably went to the library, read a book or something, or maybe found an actual blacksmith. Yeah, or maybe he was already interested in blacksmithing. Yeah, but he, he certainly seems to know what he's talking about. Yeah, he talks about it in detail, like the tools, everything, which is it's actually kind of interesting to read. Yeah, I like that. I like detail a lot. So Perrin helps out this blacksmith for a while, for like all day. Yeah. I, I, just okay. sort of as a way of reconnecting with his past, with his, you know, the blacksmith's apprentice he used to be. I think I think he's being like a little bit of an apprentice tease, though, because like, he walks in and the guy's like, apprentice, he's like... Yeah. And then he's like, he, do, he does some stuff, and he's, and the guy's like, yeah, I'll take you on. He's like, no. No, I'm not coming. I'm sorry, no. I might not be here that long. It's, you know, I'm not looking for any, I'm not looking for a thing here. But, you know. I liked it. I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. I like stories where characters have to sacrifice, and you get a reminder of all that they're sacrificing when they just want to go back to it, the way life was. Which is why um, The Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which everybody else disagrees with, I think. I, I think that's clearly the best. Really? Fellowship of the Ring? Oh. Absolutely. That's I was... Uh, I, have you not heard me complain about how I never... I haven't been interested in the Oscars since Fellowship of the Ring lost to A Beautiful Mind? No, I haven't heard that. BS. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's complete crap. And they gave the Oscar to Return of the King... Which was a fine movie, but Fellowship of the Ring was clearly better. Okay, because Brandon and I argue about, about this all the time. I think she was time. talking about the books, not the movies, Jeff. No, I was talking about the movies. Oh, really? Yeah, I've yeah. read the books, uh, but... Get on our level. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I thought, this was, I thought we were talking about books here. <laughs> I thought this was a, a reading club. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read all those credits, which are about as long as these books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. But I, I really do like this 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 segment um, because it's yeah. It, like we, I don't think we've ever seen Perrin actually being a blacksmith. No, up until now, not even the beginning of the books. You know, so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see him like see how adept he is at, at his at his craft. Yeah. It was it was very peaceful too, mm-hmm. which uh, I guess is is kind of like this is his first 
real reprieve, right? There's nothing he can do. There's nowhere for him to run. Uh, you know, they actually got to spend a, a whole night in the inn, I think. So Yeah, well, I think it's also the calm before the storm. I don't think... Th- I, I, I think that it's intentional that Robert Jordan put this right before the final boss fight, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it really works. So the, the smith gives him a hammer... Which okay for for brooding with <laughs> for someone who travels as much as they do a ten pound hammer is not actually a very good gift. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. Like that's a, that's just not something you just like toss in your yeah, luggage. Take right? one of those I'm anvils. Put that in my carry on bag. It's not gonna fit. I'd like to send this anvil home with you as a, as a remembrance of me. Like yeah, I might just leave this in the hotel. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to. I don't know. Uh, did blacksmiths of this. Technology, technology level. Did they actually talk about the amount of carbon in the steel? That's a good question. Uh, Would they have had that kind of knowledge? I don't know. I mean, I've seen a forging competition before, and I got the sense that technology has not improved substantially, or knowledge of blacksmithing hasn't changed that much. I mm-hmm. mean, what everything they were doing was stuff that they could have been doing two hundred years sure, ago. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, even though they may have done all the same things, did they know why they were doing things? Or it was just like trial and error. It's like, oh, yeah, when we fold it this way, did they know that it was like, you know, adding carbon to the steel? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. They knew that it worked, but they didn't know why. Yeah, they knew about different heats and different ways of quenching and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, this might be like ancient knowledge that they've regained. Mm-hmm. It was also... <laughs> from a previous age or something. true, of course, yes. It was also kind of sweet, too, because it's... This when he goes in there, you can see that this this act of what he's doing it transcends uh, distances. Like he's talking about how he tastes the different barrels to find which one has the salted water mm-hmm. and things like that. These are all things they're very familiar to him. It's like getting to travel home, yeah. and it doesn't matter that it's a completely different city halfway around the world. Um, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, he, I think he mentions something like when he walks in, even though the guy's wearing like the puffy sleeves and the, the baggy pants that everyone wears here, the apron and the vest he's wearing are like identical to what he saw in back home, you know? So. Yeah. I think this chapter is an example of something Robert Jordan generally is not very good at, which is pacing and mood. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. When he tries, we complain about it for several episodes about the stupid traveling chapter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the same type of yeah. thing. Yeah. But the, 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 I think he does this well. It's it's not too long. It's kind of inter- intertwined with what's happening. It's it's it, it kept my interest anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's good writing. Yeah. So at the end of it, Perrin realizes that uh, Zarin has been watching him, and she's given him the look, uh, which, which is yeah. which he he doesn't seem to pick up on because yeah. he's just the stupidest guy in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't understand women. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why she but... would watch me sweating with my shirt off for hours. <laughs> It's making me uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm going to put my shirt back. Uh, Matt would know what to do. Wait. Rand would know what to do. So, so speaking of symbolism, the parent is now torn between the hammer and the axe. The way of the blacksmith or the way of the axe smith. <laughs> that That's thing? good. I like that. Yeah. It's, he hefted the axe in one hand, the hammer in the other, by weight of metal. The axe with a half moon blade and thick spike was a good five or six pounds lighter than the hammer, but it felt ten times heavier. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's a little on the nose, but yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's a fine metaphor. Well, we get it. We get it. The axe is heavy. <laughs> it has an effect on a man. Yes, yeah, so we've been there. <laughs> so they have a team meeting back at the inn. Mm-hmm. Maureen says, High Lord Samon is the forsaken Belal. Which yeah. is a little bit new information. Right, that's right. Yeah. I, I think we have rumbled Samon <laughs> uh, a while ago, but... 
now Moraine knows it, and she knows it's Bilal, who has a bunch of names that, uh... Was it the, the, uh, the, 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 the web weaver or something, or... Yeah, I was actually a bit shocked here, because Moraine gets snippy with Loyal. Where Loyal starts you know, yeah. talking and she shuts him down like, like not right now. Yeah, I know, and like, like everyone's dumping on Loyal right now. You know, come on. And she gives him the chance. She get yeah. She gives him the opportunity to leave. She says, "Why don't you leave? There's a forsaken here." And he says, and he stays. Yeah. Oh. You know, because Loyal says, is loyal. <laughs> That's true. Well, <laughs> she says, name. "You can stay, but I've no time to listen to your complaints." So oh, yeah, I think I think well, obviously, Maureen is really on edge here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, because that seemed a little unusual for her to kind of cut him off like that. Mm-hmm. She seems to be fraying a bit. She's- yeah, and she says something really interesting, too. Um, she's talking about uh, bail fire, and she says, I've learned things in the last year, Perrin. I am ellipses. More dangerous than when I came to Emmons Field. So I thought that was interesting. Like, yeah. what what all has changed for her? Right, yeah. She used to be so in control, but it, even she can't weave these threads. Yeah. <laughs> so Loyal gives us a little bit of info dump about Belal. We, apparently nobody knows much about him, but he's called the Envious or the Netweaver. So... There's I, that. <laughs> I mean, like that could that could mean that could just mean that he's like you know he likes to to weave nets in his in his spare time. Like you know, like some people like to sit and like knit. Maybe he just likes to weave. <laughs> he's nets. like he's like Swan Sanche. He's just yeah. always using netting metaphors. Exactly. <laughs> That's, it, it, and maybe he doesn't like it. He's like, oh, come on, guys, I get it. I was a fisherman at one point. Yeah, can't you call me Shadow Strike or something? <laughs> it really sounded like an '80s movie about computer hacking to me. Netweaver. <laughs> Netweaver. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I would. I'm a little. I feel a little bad for Belal because a lot of the other Forsaken, like Lanfear gets Daughter of the Moon, Daughter of Night, and like she hides under people's beds in folklore to like get bad children. And, yeah. And Ishmael is the father of lies and all this stuff. And he's just like, nobody remembers him. Yeah. He, well, okay. To be fair, like other Forsaken, he's kind of like sealess material, right? Like he's not like, I mean, he's not top tier Forsaken, right? Well, I don't think we get much chance to... Get to know him. <laughs> That's a good point. Moraine lets the team in on her plan, which is to sneak into the stone and backstab Belal with Balefire. Yeah. This is such a D&D party quality plan. <laughs> you go in, distract him, and I'm just going to, like, Zorch from behind. <laughs> right, yeah. And can I say here that Zareen gives Perrin the biggest hint that just totally goes over his head. Uh, uh, Moraine and Lan are talking about how they're going to be leaving and attacking the stone. And Zareen says, and what are you going to do, blacksmith? It seems they mean us to wait and watch while they go adventuring. Not that I will complain. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Come on. Come on, Come Perrin. On, Pick up on this. Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, like, you have to keep in mind that this is after, like, she she's tried to sleep over with him at, like, four, four or five different times. And he's yeah. like, go back to your room. Oh, this is my bedroom, silly. <laughs> 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 yeah. Why are you in here? This is where I sleep. <laughs> And she's like, really? No, no. Uh, all right. Okay, well, go back to my room then. Yeah. Well, he's young, and when you're young, you don't pick up on signals very well. I guess not. Uh, and, and also, I, I don't think we knew this at this point, but it's pretty obvious. Ayel are in town here too, because Ayel are fucking everywhere right now. Yeah, well, yeah. Land mentions, mentions that. I think, yeah. And this is related to the Ayel prophecy somehow. 
Mm. Yeah, when the dragon is reborn, they're going to leave the waste, I think, is the prophecy. Yeah, the freefold free land. Yeah. yeah. Which we're pretty sure he is he who comes with the dawn, as well as the dragon, because yeah, how yeah. many messiahs can there be in this book? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And can I say, Tyr sounds super cool. I loved all yeah. the descriptions we got. He's more of Robert Jordan's world building. Like, they, it's super muddy, so they all have the clogs, and, mm-hmm. like, the buildings are just kind of scattered everywhere, and the clothing people wear. I thought it was really cool descriptions. When well, they're really describing awesome. the helmets, are they describing, like, um, like Spaniard helmets? It sounds like, because they're, like, w- re- like, round with a wide brim. I envision them as, like, Conquistador-era Spaniards. Yeah. Yeah, which so is, it's cool. Which cool is interesting because like some other stuff is like clearly like Asian, but yeah, they have bamboo. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this it's like an interesting blend, right? So chapter fifty one, bait for the net, the icon of the Black Aja. Oh, this is oh yeah. Sorry, just I really like the scene that begins here. Yeah, yeah. What um, Nynaeve thinks she sees somebody at the end of the street who. It's Rand, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not saying it's Rand, but it's Rand. Yeah. And then what, this man is hurrying past, and he's carrying a bunch of fish, and he trips, and the fish fall nose down into the mud in a perfect circle. <laughs> like, that is so cool. I love that. that it, you know? Janky stuff just happening around Rand all the time. Yeah, yeah it's just getting bananas, and, like, everyone kind of looks at it, and they're like, they kind of look around, like, <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, Nynaeve is shopping... And she's kind of contemptuous of the Terrans, which is not fair, because they're being oppressed by the mind powers of a Forsaken. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, if, the, if the, the Two Rivers folk were having this problem, they'd just, like, buckle down and look, pull themselves up by their yeah, bootstraps okay, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, sure, right. Yeah, and we get Braid Jerk 33 and 34. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Yeah, good close correct. succession, right? Like, they're yeah. within pages of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but she gets met by... Sandar, and he has found the Blockajas. They are guests of the High Lord Samon, who we know as Bilal, but these people don't know as Bilal. Right. Mm-hmm. But so, so I guess that means the Blockaja and the Forsaken are, are working together, which is not always the case, I think, because it seems like, I, I mean, it depends on the Forsaken, I suppose. Yeah, the Dark Friends all fight each other all the time, but I think a Forsaken is on the completely different power level of the Blockaja, so if he told them to do something, they would. I guess I'm just as surprised that they are aligned with Bilal in particular, because it seems like they would have been you know, receiving instructions from someone else, but I don't know. Yeah, I thought Lanfear was the one messing around with them when they left the tower. Yeah. But maybe it's all maybe they're working together. They meet each other in dreams periodically. That's true, mm-hmm. yeah. So Sandar leads them into an ambush at Ilahuan's house. And Leandrin and Rianne capture Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine. Not before Nynaeve delivers an abracadabra backhand to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Leandrin. The, yeah, the, people fall for that a lot, right? Like, They're like, you, you can't use your powers now. And she's like, bam, right in the face. Punches right in the face. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I was really hoping that would work, too. I was like, oh, yeah, if she knocks them out, then they won't be able to. Bend if up. it had just been Leandrin, I bet it would have worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they roll deep, these black ajas. Yeah. And we find out, they don't say it explicitly, but it looks like Leander did her mind trick. Remember she has a mind trick? That's what happened to Sandar? Oh, yeah, that right. makes... Yeah, that yeah. makes people vulnerable and, and weak-willed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really sad. So it's not really his fault. Yeah, I, I like that guy. I, was, I felt pretty bad for him. But at least he's not dead, you know? Could be yeah, worse. right? Yeah, they could have turned him inside out. And then we have this really awkward exchange between Nynaeve and Elaine, where they're trying to, like... 
It's like the weakest ruse oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think they sent us alone? I mean, no. They no, can't. don't tell don't tell them about the other people who are here. <laughs> oh, no, you're saying too much information. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is like, so uncomfortable. imagine, because these black eyes, are, these are the your typical hundred-year-old Aes Sedai who've been playing political games forever. They're, mm-hmm. just, they're watching these children yeah. <laughs> like, try and fool them. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, at least they don't fall for it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's not going to be a problem in a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, they, and they're... So Leandrin has taken them off to Bilal and lets them know that they're they've sent for thirteen Mirdral to come turn them to the dark. Which is pretty pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. And as I wrote down in my notes, this is what happens when you spring a trap. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. I mean like this is a trap. And they walked into it. So The yeah. Mirdral don't turn them to the dark. They that's how they get they gentle the Aes Sedai, right? No. The woman who can channel. So that's different. Yeah. So gentling doesn't necessarily require thirteen. It just requires a certain like a enough powerful Aes Sedai. There's a special thing that requires thirteen black aja and thirteen mirdral. And that's the turning to the dark one. Okay. Which is we don't really know how that works exactly, right? It's just is it mind control? It is hasn't it... happened yet. I, I, do they make you a slave or something, or do they change your opinions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it, are they just like having a really persuasive conversation? You're like, actually, yeah, you know, not that you meant. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> I mean, the first twelve mirdral didn't convince me, but that that thirteenth really made some good points. <laughs> I was yeah, kind of wondering about that, and then then there's this uh, this this scream. I guess I don't know. Like, why do they scream because they're going to be turned to the dark? I mean, again, they is that surprising? They kind of knew they were walking into this, right? I, yeah, but they didn't know there were thirteen Miradol there. I don't know. Yeah, they they don't seem to have thought out what happens after they spring the trap at all. I suppose no. if they had thought it out much, they probably wouldn't have walked into <laughs> the trap in the first place. So, so where did Miradol come from in the first place? They talk about it a little bit in the early book. They're, they're, they're Trollocs, but sometimes Trollocs come out, like, even more so than normal Trollocs oh. from, like, the Trolloc machine. See, that's confusing, though, because Trollocs are, like, a mishmash of different parts, and Mirdral are humanoid, and they all look alike. Well, the yeah. idea is that they all start from human stock. That's that's the thing. Like, um, the how we don't know exactly the, the process in the Trolloc factory, but they start with with humanity somehow, and then, like, glom a bunch of shit on mm-hmm. so every now and then one will come out of the the trollic machine that's like they call them half men because they're more human than standard trollic. Yeah, so maybe maybe it's not more so like a trollic maybe it's less so like a trollic right closer mm. to a human okay and, and for some reason they all have no eyes and gravelly voices and stuff <laughs> yeah and i just i just i just have so many questions because like if they're summoning 13 mirdral where are they summoning them from how do they summon them are they just like sitting in their homes like waiting for some a knock on the door like hey we need you to come well yeah they're, they're like mirdral relax. reservists <laughs> you know it's, it's a what is it two weeks a year and one week in a month yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah there's probably like a little like a little like cave or something where all the mirdral just like hanging out it's like well at some point someone's gonna give us a call i guess but, <laughs> yeah it's, Sit here and like eat babies or whatever. Make their time off. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, I think they all live in the blight and they do things in the blight. David, I don't know. We don't know at all. Yeah. But now they move around really freely. I remember in the first book it was a big deal that that many Trollocs were were down in Emma's Field, but now like they are way way yeah. south in Tyr, and it's just like I yeah, think now that the Forsaken do. are out, all the rules are off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I assume the Forsaken can teleport them around or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Forsaken. Or Leandrin could have just been bullshitting. That's mm-hmm. also true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, chapter 52, In Search of a Remedy. The icon of a loot. Because there's Tom. Tom is related to this. Yeah. So Tom is sick. No! Yeah, I know. It's sad. He's like, like, what's the word? Consumption? When it's like life-threatening. Oh, terminally ill. 
<laughs> Not when it's guaranteed to kill you. Right? Okay. Then that means it's, it lasts a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, life, th- whatever. Tom is very ill. Yeah. Yes. He's, his life is at risk um, <laughs> from his illness. And, yeah. And which is sad because Tom is, I think, still one of my favorite characters. Yeah, right? And he, he just got sick because he's been following Matt around on a stupid planet and walking around in the rain. I know. Yeah. Like, he's an old guy and, like, he, he, like, he tries to keep up. But, like, he's an older dude, you know? Yeah, he's got a limp from the last time he saved Matt's life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I Like, we already lost Tom once. I don't know if I can st- lose Tom again. I really <laughs> need to take care of him. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt takes him to a wise woman. Which randomly happens to be uh, Mother Gwenna, who is Ailhuyan. Taverin! Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, because of course. Matt's lucky. Matt's lucky. Yeah, and also Taverin. Yeah, and uh, there's this scene where Ailhuyan literally puts Tom in a headlock and forces <laughs> him to drink the medicine. It's pretty yeah. great. Right? Is it? This is sort of like... He's, she's infringing on his agency just a little bit here, right? I found I found this amusing, or, and ordinarily I get super annoyed with the little back and forth between men and women in Robert mm. Jordan's world, but I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. Like, stop stop bitching, take your medicine. Right, yeah, because he's like a child. He's complaining about how it tastes bad. Yeah. Oh, and and um, when Matt leaves uh, her, when Matt leaves Tom with her, he says something really amusing. He isn't going to bloody die. That woman will keep him alive if she has to drag him kicking and screaming out of his grave by his mustaches. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. It's, it's, I like Tom, but it is funny to see him manhandled a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And we have another moment where Matt delivers his best smile, you know, turning everyone against him instantly. <laughs> yeah, yes. it never works Absolutely. for him. Absolutely. Yeah. He tries to charm Mother Mother Gwenna, Isle Huynh. And uh, it doesn't work, of course, and yeah. she's like, I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's sad, and she tells him about Egwene and Eve and Elaine, and where they've been taken off to. Yep. So, okay, so Matt, Matt mentions that he's seen this place before. He saw it in a lightning strike, and I was watching for it, because I remember this. There's a, there's a scene when they first get to Tyr, where Matt's looking around, and he's like, you know, a hostler and a, a shop with a bunch of herbs in front, and blah, 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 blah. And it's because he saw this shop, right? He saw it in a lightning strike. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's about as random as it gets. But does his taverinness change when lightning strikes? I, I mean... Probably. If maybe... it can change fish. Make fish <laughs> fall in a perfect <laughs> circle up, yeah. upside down. Maybe, maybe not so, when, yeah. but where. It's controlling you know? physics. I guess it could, like, redirect it a little bit, Control maybe. Control where he's looking or something, maybe. Yeah. that makes more sense. Attract his attention. So it's like, oh, look at yeah. that. And uh, Matt punches a wall. Which is a little bit violent for Matt, but I guess this is the new model Matt who kills people every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, has he... It, it's been a few days, but, like, he kills people nearly every day. <laughs> yeah. Because he's mad because he almost found Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine. Yeah. It, it, he's, he's actually... He didn't miss them by much. I think they say just a few hours, right? Right. Yeah. He was almost there. Yeah. Matt, he does flirt with Eilhuyn a lot. And yeah. it doesn't work at all. No. Because it not. never, ever works. <laughs> <laughs> and he sets out... To sneak into the stone to rescue them. Which seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, it's one of his terrible plans, and we'll see how it works out. But then again, I mean, like, he did break into the Andorran royal palace, so maybe he's feeling, like, you know, a little cocky about it. Yeah, yeah. this is officially big damn hero stuff from Matt. Right? Yeah, and he's he, as much time as he spends saying how he's not a hero, he's, like, kind of heroing it up a little bit. Yeah. Chapter 53, A Flow of the Spirit. A kind of a wolf. So Perrin heads back to the inn with Fael, and uh, Fael and Perrin are flirting a lot in this chapter, but mm-hmm. Perrin does not realize it. Yeah. He's just getting flirted. He's not. He's the flirty, not the flirter. Right. 
And Maureen mentions that Rand is in tear, telling uh, the, the people there what everybody knows. Right. And all kinds of crazy shit is happening. There have been murders. There have been marriages. Mm -hmm. A woman, excuse me, a child fell from a tower balcony a hundred feet onto stone paving and then walked off. Mm -hmm. Bounced and then walked away. That's a good one. And then we have something else interesting, too. The first of Mayen. Mayen? Yeah. The first of Mayen, a guest in the stone, and now say she will submit to the will of the High Lords. After seeing yesterday, she would see Mayen and all its ships burn before one Tyran Lord set foot in the city. Mm-hmm. And because she, she comes up again later, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. We don't know who that is, but Maureen thinks that's strange. Yeah, I think yeah. we've heard of that area. I think maybe one of the ship's captain, captains is talking about Mayin, but we really know nothing about it. Mm. So while they're at the end, <clears throat> Fail walks into a magic trap that had been set for Maureen. It's a hedgehog trap. Which I think was one of the stolen Tarangriel that we saw from the list I earlier, right? A, a small he- carving of a hedgehog. Is it? Is that the one, they mentioned there was one that if you channel into it, you fall into sleep for a few hours. Oh, maybe. That's all that happens. I don't think it would be the hedgehog, because Fael can't... Yeah, she's uh, trapped. Yeah, she it can't It seems like that. this one is a little bit deadly. Mm-hmm. It's a dream trap. So it's a trap within a trap within a trap. Is it? Yeah, that's like a level... Oh, yeah, it is. This is the trap city. Yeah. So that's the trap. Yeah. Trap city in blue. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's good. <laughs> And uh, Moraine says, well, glad I didn't walk into that. Yeah, she and land her off to go after Bilal. Yeah, she knew what she was getting into. She probably won't live long. Oh, well. We'll go, <laughs> go hunt some Forsaken now. Later, skaters. <laughs> and Perrin decides to go into the dream trap and try and rescue her. Because he's got dream powers now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense. And he asked Loyal to protect protect him. And I was like, aw, Loyal. Yeah. yeah. Well, Loyal says something really sweet, too. He says, none will pass me while I live, Perrin, not Mirdral or the Dark One himself. He said it like a simple statement of fact. Mm-hmm. Aw. Yeah. That's Loyal's pretty solid. Yeah. And we, we, I mean, like, we never, we almost never see him fight. But we do know that he can hold his own. I mean, didn't he kill a Trolloc with his bare hands or something? Yeah. yeah. Like, he crushed it to death. <laughs> it's pretty badass. Yeah, apparently Ogier are slow to anger, but they are formidable. And so implacable. Enemies. I'm a little miffed at this point because all the female characters except Moraine have been damseled at this point. Oh, that's true. Right? They they all had pretty good agency. Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine are like doing their thing and their their plan is stupid, but they're making headway. They're they're achieving things. Yep. And Fael is annoying, but she's her own character, right? You know, mm-hmm. my argument for her is that she's defining herself. Except now they're all in traps now. And they all have to be rescued by their boyfriends now. Oh, yeah, well, thanks a... for ruining it for me. <laughs> yeah, I, well... Yeah. No, that, that is a good point. Well, uh, so Moraine is the one exception, I suppose. Yeah. Although, like, when it comes oh. to the final fight, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, well, okay, we'll get to well, that. Yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there. But, I, but I, no, you're right, you're right. Fail is is trapped in a in, in, her, in dream world, and Nynaeve's detective agency are... Mm-hmm. Spirited off by the block. I mean, it doesn't. It's not that bad, right? It didn't turn me off too much. I was just. That's a, a great point. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. Yeah, that's that's true. And you know, but but Perrin goes in after her and goes full wolf, and Hopper's like, "You never go full wolf, man. Come on, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm a wolf, and I, I even I know you never go full wolf. <laughs> you're in too deep, man. You're in too deep. <laughs> Chapter fifty four into the stone, icon of dice. So Matt scopes out the stone. Mm-hmm. Another D and D plan. I'm, yeah. well, I'm just going to walk in a circle around and see if there's any like doors that nobody's looking at. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it felt a little like Ocean's Eleven heisty too. You know, 
Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm gonna like, I've got this, this, these explosives that I'm gonna like. Yeah, he's he's made something with the fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question though. It's it says he told himself he should be able to climb the sides of the stone. Of course I can, just like those cliffs in the mountains of mist. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a, an early event in their their youth that they've alluded to a couple of times, where he and uh, he and Perrin and Rand ran off together to the mountains of mist, just like exploring and having oh, fun. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah, remember that at days, all. And okay. they climbed. Yeah, Rand. It didn't happen in the books, but Rand thinks about it when he's climbing that the the tower wall in in Camelin. Mm-hmm. He's thinking this is easier than those cliffs in the mountain of mist. Oh, okay. So they've got climbing powers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyway, he's looking up, and there's some somebody who's already climbing it. Right. Pretty amusing to me. <laughs> yeah, that is. That would make like a good, I don't know, Coen Brothers scene or something. Like, oh, there's that guy. I mean, I, I don't think that's related to me. <laughs> Should I say something? No, I mean, I shouldn't say something. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so we can probably surmise that that's Rand. Yeah. So yeah. Rand has the same plan, just like in the Mountains of Mist. <laughs> so he got housed by uh, out heisted by another heister. <laughs> yeah, but before he can do his plan, he gets surprised by some Aiel, who get themselves surprised by Sandar, who himself is then surprised by some more Aiel. <laughs> I know, this is this is a little ridiculous. They're just having, like, a roof party, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you? What brings you to the roof tonight? Well, what yeah. brings you to the roof tonight? <laughs> right. <laughs> and Matt's like, like, he fights a little bit, but he gets taken down by them because they're the baddest asses ever. Of course. And he's like, well, you know, we're probably not like on the same mission, right? Yeah, I mean, like I'm not trying to stop you. You're, you're not trying to stop. We'll just like we just yeah. keep keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice meeting you. Uh, oh, yeah. there's just this really awkward thing. Uh, one of the young women who and Aiel is complimenting him. She says, "You dance well for one caught by surprise." So obviously, dancing is supposed to mean fighting. Yeah. So now he knows that Aiel, maybe yeah. someday I'll be able to dance with you properly. He started to smile. If she wants to dance, they can't be going to kill me at least. <laughs> then frowned instead. He seemed to remember Aiel sometimes meant something different when they said that. Yeah. Like, be dumber. Yeah, I, okay. Even if you knew nothing about Aiel, from context clues, it's pretty clear what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. exactly. He's like, oh, she's going to dance? No, I don't think that's what she means, you, you fucking <laughs> yeah. moron. Yeah, because she just said, you dance well for someone caught by surprise after he fought them. Uh-huh. After being caught by surprise. I know. Oh, my God. Well, we don't bring Matt along for his smarts. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we bring him along for his luck, which is exactly what happens, right? Yeah. yeah. So, they, yeah, they after their convention of rooftop sneakers, <laughs> where they kind of, I think they come to a little detente, like, okay, okay. They're like, okay, we're, we're not, yeah, we're all good, we're all good, yeah, <laughs> right. you're good, I'm good. Right, let's, let's and Matt and Sandar team up, which is, is good. I like Sandar. I want him to to... Redeem himself. Right. And they also, they both are staff fighters, so, yeah. Right, I know. This is like a great little duo, staff duo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Matt's plan, we learn, is to set off all the fireworks at once. <laughs> it's a, that sounds like a, a very Matt plan. plan. <laughs> yeah, it does. It seems like that's less his plan than just the thing he wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to see what was going to happen, and then I realized, hey, this would be useful here, right? So, <laughs> right. that's how I did it. And so that's what he does. His original plan was to just drop it in the street as a distraction, this bomb he made. (laughs) Uh, But eventually he uses it, he jams it in a window. He's like, oh, there's a window there. I'll just jam it in there. He blows a hole in the stone. I love this scene. He just blasts him back across the street and he's just lucky to land on the little bridge he went across. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, well, he's like, well, originally I was going to like run into the, he's going to use it as a distraction, but now there's a big hole there. So I guess I'll go that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then, but it's funny because he's like, 
you know, his plan was to make a diversion, right? And, like, if you make a diversion, you go the other way. But he's like, no, I'm going to run towards the diversion I just <laughs> yeah. made. And sure enough, there's a bunch of guards going to explore that. <laughs> yeah, there was know. a big explosion in here. Yeah. He thinks that briefly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this is why towards- you set the bloody thing off in the first place. <laughs> Oops. Right. But luckily him and Sandar staff fight all the guards. Yeah, and as we learned earlier... Two staff fighters can take on all the blade masters in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, they take out ten. They specify there are ten of them. Yeah. In their underwear, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we get a, a quick snapshot of Crazy Rand climbing the Stone of Terror. Yeah, now it's really a party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we cut to uh, Team Egwene, who are being held in the stone as bait. Yeah. This whole thing, the whole trap was to get them as bait for Rand? I guess. Does that even make sense? Like, how would Rand know that they're there? This is Belal's plan. He's the net weaver, right? Yeah, so he can, like, communicate with Rand, right? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, like, we, we... We haven't seen much from Rand's perspective. Yeah. But I, I don't believe he's been communicating with anyone except for Balsman. Yeah, they, don't, they don't need them as bait because Rand is beelining for this place anyway. Yes. Yeah. I don't understand the, the purpose of this this device. I have to say it was not a masturbating. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Well, well then, Alice. Send us your Patreon. <laughs> more jokes like this. <laughs> There's more where that came from. So it's not as best baiting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they're still being shielded. They're in a prison cell. And Egwene decides to use the ring to dream her way out of there. It's a good plan. Yeah. yeah. It's a good thing she's been practicing her dream stuff because she, like... She really goes to town in the dreams, you know? Yeah, she so owns I, that. I, I actually wrote this quote down because as Egwene is going to sleep for the first time, Nynaeve began to hum that wordless lullaby from childhood. For once, she felt no anger in it at all. So <laughs> 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 right? Really? It's like, does Nynaeve usually do lullabies in a very <laughs> angry, angry fashion? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Humming angrily to herself. That's believable. Go to sleep, you stupid kid. That's funny. So Egwene travels to the heart of the stone in dreams, and a Joya Bayer is there, one of the Black Aja, and Egwene easily captures her. Because she has the power to, like, mimic any weaving that she's seen with the power. Mm-hmm. And some and she, that she hasn't seen. Like, I think she she has a very... No, that's Nynaeve. Nynaeve is able to quickly mimic things. Egwene seems to just intuitively come up with these weaves. Right, right yeah. It's her Manetherin blood or something. Yeah. Maybe she, she's actually that queen that blew herself up that time. The oh, Manetherin queen. Oh, yeah. Could, uh, yeah, I wondered about that. Oh, yeah, it could be. Because yeah. there have been a couple times when she does something and then... It's not until Nynaeve copies her doing it that she realizes how to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so Egwene grabs her, uh, shields her, and traps her in the dream world with flows of air and stuff. And is beating the shit out of her. Yeah. Through the air weaves. Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of a messed up scene here where, like, what I think is happening, the description is a little weird, is she's setting up, like, an air weave to, like, hit her forever. Repeatedly beat her. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's what she, I read. And the last exactly minute right. she decides not to leave the thing beating her forever. Yeah. I think that is right. But I... I was kind of disappointed she didn't, to be honest. Actually, yeah. I, well, she should I, kill her. That's exactly what I wrote this down. I was like, yeah. she should absolutely kill this woman. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a pro-killing person, right? And I, I like media that has less violence than is normally on the 
you know, TV or movies or whatever. But this is a killing situation. There is really no is. rehabilitation for this woman. If she gets free, she will 100% try and kill everyone around. She's a black Aja, right? She's like evil. Yeah, right. There's no reason, to, like, there's no positive outcome to leaving her alive, right? Mm. Mm. And especially since Edwin keeps saying, I'll die if I'm ever trapped again. But she, so she's willing to die, but she's not willing to kill to keep right, getting yeah. trapped again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, this they've made a big deal about how the 13 Aes Sedai and the 13 Murdoch can do this thing that they're so scared of. Mm-hmm. Kill one of them. They can't do it anymore. Oh, that's, that's a good, good point. point. Yeah, yeah, unless you have like a reservist like on juries. <laughs> that's an alternate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a so, black alternate. Yeah, we, we, so we've come up with like 10 reasons that she should absolutely kill Joya, but she yeah, doesn't. But she doesn't. Lame. So Perrin finds Fael in the wolf dream, and it's there's some sort of metaphor thing where she's all chained up, but naked, naked. for some naked, reason. Yeah, uh, like why? I have no idea. But she vanishes, and his princess is in another castle. I, I find this a little bit wanky. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a. It, 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 yeah, I, I don't understand the purpose of this. I, I'm I'm kind of sympathetic to Perrin's character arc here, where he he wants the simple life, and he doesn't want his wolf powers, even though he's whines about it all the time. But this is not a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. I think Robert Jordan doesn't know how to write people falling in love with each other. Mm, yeah, probably true. yeah that, that, I guess that's the point of this. This is supposed to be, be him realizing that he actually cares about her or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, because he has to. That's how it works, right? You hate him until you love him. Right. Exactly. Until he's inside of you. <laughs> <laughs> Dark but true. So Matt and Sandar fight their way through the stone. And I think if we didn't realize that Matt is a certified badass... It is made clear here as he duels a High Lord one-on-one, a mouthy High Lord. Yeah. And it's not the first one he's fought. He's fought several of them. Yeah. He's like, oh, this guy's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, this guy's, because he's a swordmaster or whatever. But he didn't care because he's he's taking him one-on-one. Yeah, he's just fighting his way through, like, the local leadership, I suppose. <laughs> right, yeah. And then there's this weird Looney Tunes moment where he, like, is just putting his staff back on his shoulder and he clonks a guy on the yeah. head and he's sneaking up behind him. Because he's just lucky. It's, yep. it's better to be lucky than good, I suppose. Yep. And they, they head on towards the cells. Things but, are not going well for Tyr right now. No, they are not. Chapter 55. What is written in prophecy? With an icon that I don't think we've seen before. No, we have not. We haven't. It's a dragon. This is the first time... Like, they've described it several times, but this is the first time we've actually seen this dragon that they keep talking about, right? Yeah. So, are there real dragons in this world? Not that no. we've seen. There, are, there don't appear to be. There's, there, there's uh, th- the closest thing I guess was that um, was it Drakkar or whatever the flying yeah. monster thing, but it wasn't very dragony. It's more just like a yeah winged Batman. Yeah, man bat, whatever. <laughs> Batman pig. Yeah. Man bear pig. Batman pig. <laughs> Batman pig. <laughs> this is not exactly how I imagined it, but it's still pretty cool. Right. It's definitely an Asian inspired dragon. Yep. Yeah. So Rand finally arrives at the heart of the stone. And this is the first Rand chapter we've actually had in a long time, right? Since the very, very, very beginning. Yeah. When he was hanging out with Moraine. Was it from Perrin's perspective? Was it? I thought at the beginning it was from Rand's perspective. He's sitting around being crazy. No, that's a good point. I don't remember. I know that Perrin went to find him. So it might have been, like, remember Perrin was, like, squeezing through the rocks or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. We've had a couple of, like, snaps of Rand in, yeah. in other people's chapters, but it's the first chapter that started with him. I think you're right. So here it is. And that, I think that's a pretty solid writing format. Like how everybody, everybody's been swirling around Rand, but we don't actually see what Rand's doing until right now. Yep. When mm-hmm. it all comes together. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So he has, he's in the Heart of the Stone. 
He's where the sword that cannot be touched is. And he has a conversation with Belal. And then a sword fight. Belal's like, touch the sword. And he's like, the sword can't be touched, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And Belal's clearly trying to get him to take the sword. But Rand doesn't do it. He doesn't realize that's what's happening. He just doesn't do it because he's crazy. I, yeah, I don't know because he's stubborn or just because like he's like, no, I want to fight you first. Yeah, I, yeah. I like the stuff that Bill all says. I'd, I'd like to learn more about this guy. Like he says, remember when we took that tame sport called swords and learned to kill with it? <laughs> okay, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean that sword fighting used to be like not for fighting? Well, I what I infer is that in the Age of Legends, it was an age of peace and prosperity and there was no war. And what had been sword fighting, like dueling, had become this kind of ritualized sport, oh. right? Like wrestling or something. It's not. It wasn't actually done for killing anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when the the Dark One was released from his prison, they they needed fighting again, right? And so they mm-hmm. they went to the the arts, like like sword fighting or dueling or whatever, and figured try like reverse engineered it to try and figure out how do we fight with these now. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. I mean, it's got a big blade on it, so you know. Seems that like it'd be pretty straightforward to turn I mean, into. It's pretty obvious to start with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's finding another blade master. Uh, right, yet another blade master, a real blade master this time. I feel like this is a little bit like the end of the last chapter or last book. Right? Doesn't he have a sword fight at the end of every book? Did he have was the first book a sword fight? He He just teleported in and I don't think Balzaman had a sword in the first book. Yeah, you're right, he did. He just like teleported in and burned his face, right? Yeah. Yeah, so was... we're two for three now. No, he had a sword made of white fire, and then he used it to cut Balzaman's, like, black uh, oh, cable. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. But there wasn't a sword fight. Balzaman didn't have one. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, there is one now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like Bilal's totally going to win, because Rand can't keep up with him, and then Moraine backstabs him <laughs> right in the middle of the fight with Balefire. <laughs> yeah. Way just, to go. Just like the plan. So, so much for Bilal. No more of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little anticlimactic, right? Yeah, they, I mean, like, there's like, a little more than this. There's this great sword fight, and Maureen's like, nope. The <laughs> <laughs> plan totally worked, right? <laughs> He's going to sneak up on him and hit him with Balefire before yeah. he knows I'm there. That's a D&D plan. Mm-hmm. But then Balzaman ganks Moraine with evil black lightning. Which is, you know, I guess just another power we've never seen before, but seems mm-hmm. like it sucks. Yeah. There's a cross through him. Yeah, I think this is the last we see of Moraine in this book. I don't yeah. think she gets back up. Yeah. No, that's not true. No, she does. Yeah. Uh, thus removing the, the agency of the last female character, right? I guess it's true. But she did something, right? She yeah. accomplished something really important. That's true. She did kill Bilal. Yeah, she rushed in and saved Rand because Rand knew that he was not as good a blade master. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because he's not a blade master, by the way. Like, yeah, which he acknowledges. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know, oh yeah, I'm not actually a blade master. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this sucks. And Balzavon almost steals Rand's soul, which I guess is a thing he can do. But then, then Rand finally grabs Kalendor. Confirming that he is the dragon reborn and is filled with power overwhelming from Kalendor. And Balsamon's like, uh, goodbye. <laughs> right, <laughs> like the six-fingered man in, in Princess Bride. Yeah, just like turns around and runs away. That's exactly what I thought of. And uh, Rand follows him. And uh, Rand's like, uh, the fuck you don't, and just teleports after him. <laughs> yeah, right. Because now Rand knows how to do that, because he's like, oh, I saw how he did that. Yeah, as long as they're not thinking about it, these Emmons Field people can channel all they want. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So we cut quickly to Egwene, who finds the cell in Teleran Riyadh and traps another Black Aja. I thought this was super cool, because she just mm. sees the woman flickering in and out of Teleran Riyadh. Right, because she's dozing. Yeah. Yep. And she catch, catches her half in and half out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of a badass in dreams, isn't she? Mm-hmm. She's great. Yeah. But they're still trapped in the cell in the real world because they can't open the door because they're still shielded. 
Mm. That's right. So they need Matt to save the day. Right. So Matt saves the day. Yep. He frees them. And, okay, this is a scene that I remember from when I used to read it that infuriated me then and kind of pisses me off now. Yep. Because he saved them, right? He genuinely saved them from a fix that they were not able to get out of. Yes. And they assault him. Yeah. They just, like, start being jerks to him, like, immediately. Like, what are you doing here? I'm fucking saving you. I let you out of jail cell. And he asks a bunch of questions, like... Like, there's this woman here. Like, what should we do about this woman? Because he doesn't know she's Black Aja. Right. He's like, I think she's trapped or something. And instead of a simple explanation, like, she's a bad guy, they use the power to, like, to, to assault him, to, like, drag him through the air. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck off, Matt. It's like, come on, people. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's, to me, this is a little bit unrealistic. Like, even for these characters, like, that, that's a little bit far, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's meant to be funny. I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't very funny. I didn't find it funny. I found it really aggravating. What I did find funny was that then Nynaeve does a Alec face punch, and it totally works this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're still sealed for some reason. Oh, I know what to do. Bam, right in the face. <laughs> now she's really asleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And now they can channel. Yeah. So they set off after Leandrin and the Black Aja. We cut to Perrin. Perrin has been apparently finding a bunch of naked files. Yeah. his dreams and freeing them all. He's getting the Mario treatment. And he has to, in the end, he has to fight through a whole bunch of other Falcons that are attacking him. I, I didn't understand I that. Yeah, is this the way this trap works? Is it takes the, the, the thing that your name means and then turns <laughs> it into a thing that attacks the person who's trying to say it? Like, what? I don't understand the point. Like, yeah. I don't understand what the, how this thing works. Yeah. Maybe it's dream logic. Yeah. Maybe he ran out of ideas. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could have, could have at least been hedgehogs. Come on. <laughs> that would have made sense. A swarm of hedgehogs. <laughs> a swarm of flying hedgehogs. <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, ah. But he saves her, and uh, they wake up, and they call each other by their real names for really real. And hopefully now they're finally going to fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's time to work that out. Yeah. So, a lot of Dreamworld stuff in here. Rand chases Baalzman through a long sequence of, of cosmic Dreamworld trap stuff. It's a wizard duel. It is a total wizard duel. Yeah. yeah. And a beam fight, also. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he shoots beams and he, like, blocks it with his beam sword. That's pretty cool. You know, turn the, the air to, like, water under high pressure or, like, the bottom of the ocean and, you know, turn it to stone or whatever. Rand is able to, with the power of Kalendor, fight it all off. Yeah, it turns, like, it's, like does some stuff with gravity, does all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, it gives them, puts them in low gravity and stuff. Yeah. You know, it was so weird. It, I mean, I know this isn't the case, but it... I briefly thought maybe he's just gone insane and this is all in his imagination because it was so bizarre. <laughs> it could be, right? Yeah. That would have been actually it's, a kind of interesting. So if he comes to and he's like, he's killed some people or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's just like foaming at the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> if we wake, if, if we get to book like 14 or however long the series goes and it ends up with, and he wakes up and it was all a dream, I'm just going to like lose <laughs> right. my shit. <laughs> he's still in Emmons Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was all a fever dream. But eventually he catches up to him and kills him with Kalendor. Yeah. Stabs him, which is kind of literal. Yeah, just like right in the right in the chest, right? And yeah. I would like to point out, um, not in your big fancy hard copy book, but <laughs> in our in our paperback books, the page on which on which this happened, six sixty six. Whoa! Yeah. Oh my god, he planned that out. He must have totally it had to be on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so Balzaman is definitely dead this time for sure. Totally, like, 100%. Perma dead, times a thousand, definitely dead. And yeah. Rand is super excited about it. He says, it's done. I've won the last battle. It's all over. It's the killing's to go back over. To Field, yeah, right? everything's Let's, great yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is it. Yeah, Hooray. Great. Yeah, and he, he comes back to the real world where all the 
Aiel, oh yeah, by the way, there have been Aiel fighting Terran defenders this whole time. Like, everywhere. Uh, everywhere, yeah. yeah. that's what I was wondering, because we, there's all these people dying, like, who's fighting who? I think, is the Aiel fighting the defenders? <laughs> okay. And the defenders is the formal name of the people who defend the Stone of Tear. But the defenders aren't necessarily bad people, they're just no. like the guards. That's who are, correct, That's so yes. sad. Yeah, yeah, like all the guys who were in the Death Star, just like employees working in the, in the Death Star. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that there were some good Nazis? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying that not everyone who's in the Death Star is necessarily like an evil person, and that they sure all died when you blew I mean, up the Death Star. It is called the Death Star. Well, I mean, I don't think that's comparable because these because they all knew that they were working for Darth Vader. In these books, these guys didn't realize that they were secretly they were working yeah, for the for, the High Lords of Tear, who sound like they were kind of shitheads. Yeah, but not like you know. But it, then it turns out that the new High Lord is like you know the devil essentially. Like they didn't know that. Yeah, that's true. I feel bad true. for them. Hmm. Well, they, yeah, there's all this fighting, but Rand stops the fighting by proclaiming himself the Dragon Reborn. I am Randall Thor, the Dragon Reborn. And Finally. I, I was, I was yeah. kind of surprised the defenders <laughs> threw their, their weapons down, too, but I guess well, everyone... Well, because he has the sword. Yeah. That's the big deal. Yeah. The sword that cannot be touched. He's touching it, but um, it cannot be touched. He must be the dragon. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, so that's... Oh, that's it, so... Just like at the end of the last book, he finally proclaims himself the Dragon Reborn. Let's hopefully, hopefully it sticks this time. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know why. The, wait, there's going to be another book? But he just killed the, <laughs> the yeah, Osmond, right? right? He just killed the Dark One. Yeah, it's he? done. So, chapter 56, People of the Dragon. Icon of the Wheel of Time. <sighs> now he's just getting lazy. He usually, he really could have used the dragon for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could have. <laughs> so, the people of Tyr woke from dreaming of Rand's fight with Baalzamon to see the dragon banner flying above the Stone of Tyr. Which, uh, that must be pretty surprising to them. Yeah, I know. How did he even get it up there? That thing's pretty tall, right? Magic. Oh, the magic. He's got magic. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's like, okay, well, I guess maybe he's the dragon, right? Yeah, Matt maybe. is regrouped with the others, and he finally, he's finally on board. Maybe. Yeah, and they're they're basically having a recap where they mm-hmm. all sit around a table in the solar tier and, and answer some questions. <laughs> I'd like to point out that Matt has already hit on Avienda, Bane, and Chiad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and All of them. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 they were invading in the middle of the night. It has been a few hours. Mm-hmm. And these people are like killers, and he has hit on every single one of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but... And he's been trying to get them alone already. Hold on, though. He struck out with Avienda, right? Yeah. And he's... But he, he can't get these two alone. Do you remember why? Yes. Because they're spear sisters. Uh-huh. So, like... He could he could be nailing both of them. Yeah, right. Like he's like he's like <laughs> he could, totally he missing out on both those tails to those donkeys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, they're they're just trying to get him in a threesome, and he's like, but I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, what's a man? What's a man supposed to do with two ladies? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how we do it in Emmons Field. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the I.E.L. think he's like a you know right. he's a moron, but he works really fast. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, not not fast, but not very effective. You know? Yeah, not effective. never effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely quantity over quality. So Moraine has found a seal here, unbroken. I think yeah. the first unbroken the seal. Fir- yeah, it is it's the first unbroken one they found. So that's good. And uh, Ruark gives us some explanation for why the I.E.L. are here. Yeah. And the Ail are the people of the dragon, and he shows his sweet dragon I mark. know, that's so oh, cool. No, it's like a shiny tattoo. tattoo. Yeah, man. Like all, and all the clan chiefs of the Ail have this mark of the dragon. Does it, and it's it just appears on them, right? When they go he, into this special explain. area, the yeah, Meridian. They yeah. have a ritual that makes them clan chiefs. Yeah, which yeah. we don't know anything about yet. Right. 
And of course, Matt's super bored with this whole conversation, right? Right. And everybody <laughs> treats Matt like an idiot for asking questions, but these are these are good questions. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't know this stuff. And he's a significant factor in these proceedings, right? Yes. But and <laughs> Yeah. And uh, in this conversation, Moraine and Egwene figure out that Balsamon was not the Dark One, yeah. as we've been told for this whole series. Because uh, Robert, Robert Jordan discovered that he wasn't the Dark One when he started getting those checks right. for the <laughs> New York Times bestselling series. I was actually thinking about that as, as I was reading the end of this book. It's like, I wonder at what point he decided that. Then Because like, throughout this book, there's like some hints about it. Because there's yeah. where Balsamon and... Um, and Lanfear are having, like, a little discussion in the dream world, whatever. But there's, like, just a speckle of them. I wonder if, like, somewhere midway through this book he thought about it and then he just, like, retroactively went back and wrote some scenes in there to, like, support his decision later on. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. We find out that uh, actually Baalzaman was Ishmael, one of the Forsaken. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been mentioned as the most powerful of the Forsaken. Right. There and, you go. And we know that uh, some of the Forsaken were closer to the surface than the others. And I think Ishmael was close enough to actually give orders to the Trollocs and stuff. Mm. Not close enough to come out and do stuff himself, but close enough that he's been acting as the Dark One for 3,000 years. Right. And he may have forgotten that he's not the Dark One himself. So uh, the first of Mayan shows up, uh, this character that we <sighs> barely know anything about, and okay. delivers a note from Lanfear. It was I, weird. I have to say that when she walks in, like, I know that we were just talking about this before, and that's probably why I noticed it, but when she walks in... Like, the way they describe her, they describe, like, you know, oh, her hairpiece is really good. And then she has, like, big breasts or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> her admirable, admirable bosom. bosom. So yeah. it's like she, she, like, breasts boobly into the room or something. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, Robert Jordan gives us the info that we're all wondering about is yeah. what's the breast situation. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're, with, they're with nice. With this foreign dignitary that we just met. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this queen or, 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 yeah, leader of the... Well, there's something interesting, too, though. She's wearing a coronet with a golden hawk. Uh-huh. She is wearing a yeah, hawk, Yeah, which goes back to what Min saw above Perrin. So, right. so this is probably, like, Perrin's other, you know, Right, his other bird. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Perrin doesn't know his, his other bird. It's, like, in the Cockney sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Bird. <laughs> uh, Trouble and strife. And uh, I, I really like this ending, actually, because uh, after Matt asks a bunch of stupid questions... Moraine turns to him and says, like, you can't leave. You're still part of it. And he's like, you can count on me. And his head is like, <laughs> like I'm been the fuck like out of here. making plans to get the hell out. <laughs> well, of course. Oh, shit. Uh, I understand. I wonder if Tom's ready to go. All right, you can count on me. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Love it. That's pretty great. That's so good. Then there's a little bit of an epilogue about how the... The people of Tyr are chanting Randolph Thor or the Dragon Reborn, so... He's totally, totally out of the closet now. Totally, totally. Yep. For sure. Definitely not going to backtrack, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. The end. Yep. That was, that was a good series. I think that, uh, you know, Robert Jordan did some really great work here. So this, <laughs> there's not any more, right? This yeah, because he killed the Dark One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this Done. Is, so this, that's the last book, right? No? Uh, no. I don't think so. I think there are 11 more. more. <laughs> I think you're right. If you're not counting about the prequel. About a thousand. <laughs> right. I want to point out another thing about the, the first of Mayin. Uh, because she has this little thing where she says, uh, <laughs> she looks at Rurark with a small smile. You're the leader of the island. You're fighting to disturb my sleep. Perhaps I'll have you dine with me. <laughs> and then she says, oh, after Rand. Rand's going to dine with you first. I'm pretty sure this is like, she's like going to hook it up with these guys, right? She's- well, I think this is, this is her way of foreign policy. Oh. I think she's okay. achieving her country's aims by, uh. 
using diplomacy. Oh. Yeah. And, and she, so, she uses seduction as a diplomatic technique. Ah, uh, okay. That explains the outfit. We're going to hear a bit more about this character. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is the, the hawk, I suppose, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I thought that was a pretty good book. I like Matt. I mostly like Perrin. Uh, Matt got way better in this book. This, I think this might have been my favorite one so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was still a little bit of drag in the middle, as there has been, I think, in every book so far, but much less of it. And the ending, like, was 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 pretty was pretty solid. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it was really good writing. The way he has all these different threads, and he they all come together, and he's able to like cut between them very quickly, but still let you know what's going on. And uh, and it's very climactic. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the I think he found like kind of a sweet spot. I, I remember that there were some parts where the characters were spread a little too thin. So as the chapters were jumping around, it got like a little tiresome and they'd be checking in with, I think it was in the last book where they'd be checking in with someone just to check in with them. And it was like, yeah, we get it. They're still walking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this one, it seemed like every time we checked in with a character, something interesting was happening, which is really what it should be. Right. Yeah, he's really hitting his stride. Yeah. So yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, no, I, I just this is my, this has been my favorite book so far. Definitely, and I uh, we're getting past most of the parts that I do remember. Uh, there's a bunch of weird stuff that I remember, which I suspect is going to be in the next book because I'm not sure how far I made it the first time I read the series. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more good stuff to come. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of bad stuff to come, but it's it's a slow decline. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for this episode. This final episode of season three of the Dragon Reread. Uh, next time, we're going to take a break. Yeah, we'll take a little <laughs> break. So, we're going to take a, a longer break this time because we're for reasons that we will talk about in a second before we start on book four, The Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan, all one word. And I'm Mike Sparkman. I don't have the Twitter thing. Oh, yeah. So, you're not a real person. I don't, I don't no. tweet. <laughs> If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews and wherever you got this. Please give us your dollars on Patreon. Uh, please like us in real life. We're super likable. And uh, coming soon, we are going to do another podcast about Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be called it's be uh, so good. MWA, Muggles with Attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 going to be a little bit different because in this particular format, both Alice and I have read Harry Potter before, but you have not, right? Yeah, Jeff? but I have not. So I'm going to be the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does that mean I'm the dumb one now? So look forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is going to be really interesting. We're going to read the books in order, and in between, we're going to watch the movies in order as well. That's right. And so what we're going to do going forward is we're going to alternate uh, seasons of Muggles with Attitude and seasons of The Dragon Reread. So it'll be a little bit longer before the next season of this podcast. And if you're at all interested in Harry Potter, uh, join us on our other podcast. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.